Kia ora, welcome to episode three of the Book Lover Banter. Uh, if you haven't uh, been with us before now, I am Olivia. I am an author and proud owner of the independent bookshop, The Book Lover, in Milford, Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, this is, episode's a little bit different to the first two. Uh, I'm sorry, there's no Laura or Rachel with me today. Instead, uh, you're going to be listening to a special recording with two guests uh, talking about something that's very uh, important to me, something I hope that more and more people will start to appreciate and look into uh, and look to understand a little bit more. Um, I'm really pleased to see that that is happening a little now. Um, so anyway, what are we talking about? We're talking about children, particularly as they start to get older and into their teenage years, they're reading less and less. Uh, why am I concerned about this? Why should we be, con be concerned? Uh, why is it happening? And what can we do to try and encourage children and young adults to read for fun not to read uh, because they have a prescribed text that they have to read for school this is just because they want to get lost in a story or, or pick up a book and read it because they enjoy it uh, before I get into it uh, I do just want to mention a book that uh, so last week towards the end of last week I uh, always liked when I've had a couple of days away from the shop I like to look around and see what's new what's exciting and a book caught my eye and I read it in three days and it is not fiction <laughs> it is non-fiction but there was something about it I just thought instantly I have to read this and it's called Hidden Potential The Science of Achieving Greater Things by Adam Grant and I would thoroughly recommend it pretty much to everyone, but more importantly to people who perhaps are teachers or interested in education or involved in education, uh, perhaps if they're leaders or owners of businesses. Uh, but anyone, really. I just, there was so much to take away from it. I, I learned so much. Uh, it debunked a lot of myths and uh, there is a chapter in there, interestingly, on the importance of children reading for pleasure and how it sets them up uh, for a greater potential uh, to achieve in life later on. Two months ago now, we held a talk at uh, the Book Lover Bookshop uh, about this very topic. I invited a couple of people to come and talk and um, so this is a recording of that evening. Uh, occasionally you'll hear, because obviously there's an audience present, you will hear a little bit of input from the audience uh, and there were moments when, you know, there were people in the audience, there were teachers, there were librarians and they had really interesting input but unfortunately because of the way the microphones were set up I, I couldn't capture what they were saying clearly so I've had to cut those bits. All that aside, I think you'll get a lot from this and I hope that you will share it with other people 
because this is something I'm really passionate about and I'm so pleased to see it getting a little bit more recognition. There's a lot of research and articles that I've come across. Um, there's talk of it, I know, being included in the school curriculum. It's so important to uh, try and encourage children to read for fun. Uh, so I had, well, I was very lucky to have uh, two, I'm going to call them experts, talking on the panel with me at uh, this event. They were Joe Appley and Jules O'Malley. Uh, Joe, I met as uh, she was a local librarian at a, a, a nearby school, and she's had almost 30 years teaching experience. She taught in the UK before immigrating to New Zealand in 2004. She's worked in a variety of publishing companies and been involved um, in particular in creating, critiquing and writing reading material for schools. She is passionate about reading and her most recent role as a librarian has enabled her to explore more reading materials for primary school children in more depth and that's something that she has thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, Jules has been uh, working with Scholastic, who many of you may have heard of. They're a, a very big uh, children's publishing uh, company. She's been in, been with them for over five years. She's the territory manager for Auckland and the far north, visiting many rural and large schools. In fact, she looks after a whopping 680 schools. She's involved in school book fairs, book clubs, education resources and authors in schools. She also visits a number of bookshops uh, and ours is included. She's passionate about reading to and with children and, of course, listening to children read. So let's get stuck in. So I was prompted to hold this talk because over the past about a year, I have noticed uh, a decrease in the number of sales of children's chapter books, but also you probably more alarming because fewer kids coming into the bookshop book looking for books to read. And parents and grandparents and caregivers bringing them in, trying to encourage them to find a book, and they're not really that interested. They're struggling to find a book that grabs their attention. And I wondered if this was just a, a local issue. <laughs> or if it was reflective of, of perhaps a wider um, concern. So I asked quite a few teachers and parents and publishers, and um, they all were unanimous in saying this is uh, an area of great concern. Absolutely. Yeah. So last week in the um, Booksellers UK newsletter, there was an article entitled National Literacy Trust Calls for Urgent Action as Children's Reading Engagement is at a Record Low. So it's not just New Zealand, it's happening around yeah. the world. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and their annual survey completed in March just this year, they found that children reading engagement enjoyment is at its lowest level in almost two decades, with over half of 8 to 18-year-olds saying they don't enjoy reading in their spare time. Which I think is really sad. Only half of the children surveyed said they had been encouraged to read by a parent or caregiver. And this encouragement declined as the child grew older. So um, it's not going to be all doom and gloom, I promise. 
So it seems that while most younger children are still enjoying reading in their early years, their level of enjoyment drops off as they move into adolescence and the time they spend reading also declines as the child gets older. In the Scholastic Kids and Family Reading Report out this year, uh, it was noted that 46% of 6 to 8-year-olds were frequent readers compared to 32% of 9 to 11-year-olds and that drops to just 18% in the 12 to 17-year-olds. In New Zealand, um, you might be able to talk more about this, but uh, there's been a lot of attention focused on developing literacy skills, but little focus on developing an enjoyment of reading, um, especially outside of school hours. And a study done in 2018 looking at 15-year-old reading habits, a large proportion said they read only if they have to. And when asked how much time they usually spend reading for enjoyment, more than 75% of boys reported either not at all or less than 30 minutes a day, which probably doesn't surprise you. No, no. So I've done enough talking. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you both um, maybe want to talk about what you've observed, observed in terms of children's reading habits and how much enjoyment they're getting out of reading. I can talk both as a parent and mm -hmm. as a teacher librarian. Um, so the biggest thing that I've noticed is that um, as a parent, um, the device is definitely getting in the way um, and flicking and instant gratification, going through reels, um, Instagram has definitely had a huge impact on my two girls, uh, both teenagers. Um, however, it's very aware, I'm very aware that if my husband and I sit and read that the girls actually mimic that they'll pick up a book and they will actually mimic even at the age of 15 and 17 they will actually mimic so is that when you say put your phones down that's you... no i we actually okay. gave up you can't tell 15 yeah. and 18 year olds put their phone <laughs> down it doesn't work um <laughs> it's purely because i think they they have books so mm -hmm. we all were a household full of books so there are books available i think it's they just forget that they're there so the hand has always got the phone in it. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, that's what they instantaneously go for. That's what they instantaneously look for. Whereas if my husband and I are sitting on the sofa, on a, in a chair, anywhere, reading an actual book, it's almost as if a light bulb moment goes off and goes, oh, yeah, that's right. I've got a mm -hmm. book that I'm reading. And oh, I'll go and you know, get that. It's almost as if they need that visual reminder as opposed to nagging, because nagging doesn't work. Um, that, yeah, visual reminder. So that's kind of my mum hat. Um, with my parent, uh, my teacher hat, sorry, I've noticed at school that some of it is kids, they just don't know what to read. I think there's an element of there's no guidance in terms of they've found a particular book that they like, so therefore they just read it. And then once they finished it, they don't actually know what to read next. Um, and therefore, if you've got a class of 30 plus children, um, that you might miss the fact that there's a 10 children who actually are just walking around lost in the library. Um, I think there's an element of graphic novels are frowned upon, and we might come back to that later, but there is still a huge place for graphic novels. It's a, my most popular area in my library. I would say the graphic novels, since I've been working at the school, has tripled in size because the need has been 
that the kids love it and it does actually get them reading. Um, I know that there's a lot of controversial conversations which we'll come back to about whether or not they are actually reading, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so I often find as when I've got time to walk around when there's a class in there that actually if I see someone lost or just sitting in front of the John O'Mo Stilton books, for example, and just like a little bit deflated, just picking them up going, oh, you know, then I will actually encourage them to, well, if you like graphic, if you like John O'Mo Stilton, then you may like such and such an author you may like such and such an author and actually guide them to another section and try this I think there's also a misconstrued conception with the children that if they pick up a book they have to read the whole thing and I think there's an element of educating them that if you pick up a book and after about five or six chapters if you don't like it you can put it back and try another one which is great in a library situation not great enough for <laughs> situation um and i think again there is an element of in all seriousness with the money situation economically parents struggling to actually get children to read there is an element of if they're pressured to come in and choose a book that they might not like then there's that guilt from that child that the parent has spent the money yeah. to go and get it so there's an element of even though we joke about the fact that, you know, there's there's a lack of understanding, um, then the other angle I use in my school library book, in my school library, is the fact that I'll say to them, well, we might not have it here because it's so popular. Perhaps you might want to ask mum and dad to go and get it for you for Christmas or for your mm -hmm. birthday and then take that angle. Or there's another one in the series and I haven't got the money to go and buy it. Why don't you go and ask mum and dad to get it for you for Christmas and that kind of thing. So... Yeah, I think I personally I can say we do do a sustained silent reading at school and that's compulsory across the whole school uh, where the children are encouraged to sit and read. But whether or not there's role modelling in terms of the discussions afterwards or the ability to be able to discuss it with a friend while they're reading it um, because it's silent could also be taking the fun out of reading. Um, I know for a fact that I don't read silently I don't know about everybody else here I do laugh um cry <laughs> depending on what's going on cringe read um, when you can't read it inside yeah, read it. yeah exactly <laughs> it's not that type of book I can <laughs> flick forward and go oh it's okay then yeah. go back and uh, I have been known to turn to the very back page and read the very back page which no. I know <laughs> confession it's terrible um but sometimes you just can't wait. um so yeah I think there's an element of just um yes I can see I can see there's a decrease in activity I can see that the children mm -hmm. are often lost in a library okay. so yeah I hadn't really thought about that that maybe that in terms of being in the children's section here maybe the child is scared to pick one because what if they get home and start reading and don't like it there's going to be that pressure to read huge pressure because mm -hmm. um, you know let's face it they are it's money that they're spending yeah. And I know for a fact, having heard children and parents interacting out in the playground, I've just spent that money on that jumper and now you've lost it. Um, I've heard, I'm spending this, you're not giving up, you are playing mini ball. You are, I don't care, you don't like it. You know, how many times did the child hear, I've spent that money on you? And so therefore, you know, getting them to come in to buy a book that they've never seen, that they don't know anything about, that fear of mm. oh, what happens if I don't like. Or a well meaning parent or grandparent buys them a book and then says what about that book I bought you for your birthday or Christmas or whatever and the, the worry is the child must force themselves to read and then they lose their enjoyment of reading 
absolutely. But the pressure, but the pressure of choosing a book in a bookshop, you know, they look lost in a school library. They look lost in a library. So trying to choose one that they think they have to take home to read. It's like, well, actually, what happens if I don't like it? I often see that. What happens if I don't like it? And that's where graphic novels come in nicely because they, they can flick through a graphic novel and they can see whether or not it's going to be something they'll enjoy. And there's less unknown because it's visually all there for them. It's a big, there's a big conversation about graphic novels. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. quite, it's quite a controversial one. Yes. Yeah. It has a lot to do with it. Stimulating. Yeah. 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 Instant gratification. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. offset for that is your imagination isn't being used, which mm-hmm. kind of doesn't help you sink in and really have your own view of the character, their personality, what the scenery is mm-hmm. like. You know, it's shown to you already. Yeah, but it's it, we were talking about this the other day mm. actually with somebody else, and it's very much like in connection with social media or anything you look on. It's very bright. It's very in your face, and it's what keeps you attracted to it. I totally agree with the imagination side of things. The other side of it is it does impact their writing as well because they don't understand how to hook a reader because they don't actually understand how to start (laughs) they've seen an emotion in a picture rather than had it described to them yeah Mm. so too much graphic novels does have a huge impact on their writing jules have you noticed um, a drop in all these schools that you were visiting and sort of reading for, for fun for enjoyments in children yeah i guess i guess that Joe covered it a lot from a parent side, and mm-hmm. I do agree from a parent side, like a parent's influence on whatever age your child is is very powerful. If you as a parent don't take the time to sit down, relax, take the time of your busy day, you know, a lot of us are always running around. You know, we get mm-hmm. home late, we're trying to get dinner on the table, we're trying to get kids to this and that, you know, hockey, netball, whatever, and then you bring out your laptop at the light at night because you know that you had to finish it off and you haven't. So if your your family members don't get to see a big person reading, mm-hmm. there's no influence. And I think it's really big in today's world that children don't actually get to see mm-hmm. an adult reading. Mm-hmm. Um, adults don't tend to, well, I shouldn't, I'm not speaking on behalf of everybody, but it seems that that bedtime story time, you know, at any age, and I did this with my daughter only about two years ago, she was 13, mm-hmm. I just laid down the bed on top of on top of the bed with her, she was in bed, and I just laid down, I said, right, what are you reading? She goes, huh? And I said, where's the book that you're reading? And she goes, oh, I've started it. Mm-hmm. And I said, why haven't you carried on? And she goes, I don't know. So I just read a chapter to her, and the chapter that we read captured her. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't have gone in there and decided to ask her, you know, and then I kind of the next night I said to you, just just do twenty minutes, like it's just a relaxant for your brain. It's just a calm. It's just a get off the phone that's bright and buzzy in your face. And once you start enjoying, you then have an opportunity to look at the author, find out why you enjoyed it. You know what what made you decide that you liked that book? Was it the characters? Was it the you know the literacy? Did you actually feel that you were inside that book and you had a connection? or And, and then you can broaden that by introducing the authors. But it, I think I think for me, the biggest thing is time. Mm. Time has a big impact. But not just for the parents encouraging and doing the bedtime. 
think children are actually really big on. Mm-hmm. I think there's an element of actually you hear when they go, they're either going straight to after-school care because parents are working mm-hmm. and therefore they're busy right up until 5, sometimes mm-hmm. 6.30 in some cases. And then by the time they get them home, feed them, get them ready for bed, have a quick conversation, they've actually run out of a week time. My son's 15 and every time he takes a dog for a walk, he listens to an audio mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. It's great, but it's also he's never out walking in nature without listening yeah, to an audio yeah. So I came up with a list of perhaps other reasons why fewer children are engaged in reading for fun. And some of the factors I have identified in my research are lack of motivation, which we've kind of touched on, Another big one is the negative attitude to reading. There's this idea that reading is boring or readers are boring. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I say myself now. It would be good to change. And I'm going to touch on that shortly um, because it relates to the fact that people think reading is a solid, solitary, inactive activity. And there's lots of evidence to suggest that it's actually quite a social activity. Um, there's peer pressure. Uh, your friends are saying, why are you reading that book? What are you doing reading? Then um, you tend to not, not read so much. Also, there is a lack of reading skills sometimes and a lack of choice of and maybe appropriate books of interest, competing priorities, which we've touched on, inconsistent teacher and school messaging. And an overall lack of understanding about the value and importance of reading for pleasure. Uh, and I could go on this. Uh, we've talked about this, the allure of alternatives to books as children get older and busier and more tethered to their phones. And another factor is well-meaning parents and caregivers wanting their children to only read certain types of books. Uh, that is a major not concern, a challenge for me. Um, often the child is excited and will pick up a certain book that they want and the parent or caregiver will say, what about this one? Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> they've got too many pictures. That's too easy. Or, well, like, but if but it's a know. book that maybe it's maybe they could read a harder book. But they're reading it and they'll probably sit there for half an hour and read it as opposed to a, a book that they don't want to be reading. They'll read yeah. a chapter and then they will lose attention. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to read a quote from Neil Gaiman. Uh, he did a really interesting lecture recently and I'll probably refer to this again, but this some of it's really powerful. It's pretty hard-hitting. Uh, you'll probably find it online if you have a search. Um, so he says, I don't think there's such a thing as a bad book for children. Every now and again, it becomes fashionable among some adults to point at a subset of children's books, a genre, perhaps an author, and declare them bad books. Books that children should be stopped from reading. I've seen it happen over and over. Enid Blyton was declared a bad author, so was R.L. Stein, so were dozens of others. Comets have been decried as fostering illiteracy. 
It's tosh, it's snobbery, and it's foolishness. There are no bad authors for children. What children like and want to read and seek out is different for every individual. They can find the stories they need to, and they bring themselves to stories. A hackneyed, worn-out idea isn't hackneyed and worn-out for someone encountering it for the first time. You don't discourage children from reading because you feel they are reading the wrong thing. Fiction you do not like is the gateway drug to other books you may prefer them to read, and not everyone has the same taste as you. Uh, again, we've touched on this, but I just want to go further into the benefits of reading for fun, not because it's prescribed text. Uh, in 2021, the New Zealand Public Library commissioned AUT to review all the data they could get their hands on about reading for pleasure both here and overseas. And the review concluded that children's enjoyment of reading is related to a longer life, better mental well-being, and healthier eating. Fiction reading is related to better performance at school. Uh, they compared children who read for pleasure regularly to those that didn't, and those that read for pleasure fiction were generally one year ahead in their school. Uh, what else? Reading for pleasure is also good for communities because readers tend to be good at making decisions. They have more empathy and they're likely to value other people and the environment more. Uh, further research shows that reading for pleasure boosts academic achievement, provides a foundation for critical digital and information literacy. It builds cognitive function and stamina being immersed in the flow of reading. In other words, it improves concentration. It also improves and builds psychological well-being and healthy factors. And crucially for young people, it can be relaxing and provide an escape. Anything else you want to add on that front? Yeah, why don't you want to escape to a magical yeah. place <laughs> and just sink yourself into something that just takes you away from everyday life? Mm. It's mm. so important to, to yeah. you know, you sit in there in the corner with your book, um, your glass of water, or even take your dinner with you, you know, because you can't put the book down. But you've just escaped for a while of anything for young kids that's been on social media, that's been in their heads that they've had to try and nut through, you know, their sometimes bad days at school and, you know, what they're struggling mm. with. It, it, it releases that pressure for a while. Mm. And to encourage that calms the brain mm. and it calms your inner. Plus the enjoyment of getting yourself right into a book is just magical, you know? Yeah. I did a lot of work at school because I'm mentioning about the writing and reading going hand in hand. And I talked to the children about the, when they came in to the library session about the importance of being a thief. And that's what you can do with books. You can pick up any book and you can find an opener, a sentence ending, the beginning of a paragraph, the beginning of, or even the beginning of the whole story. And you can steal that and you can actually use that in your mm. own writing. And I said, and that therefore will help you. You know, how many children have been told that they need to think of better openers? How many have been told they need to be better at conjunctions or whatever your focus might be from your teacher? I said, well, where are you getting this inspiration from? Where are you getting the ideas from? Well, here they all are. There's a whole room. Mm. And would often demonstrate, grab a book off the shelf and go, here we go. Here's a wonderful sentence opener. You know, she looked scary. You know, and all that type of stuff. And that language about 
also talking to them about how do you hook and how do you set a scene because often these children are given these goals by teachers and um but they're not being encouraged to steal them from other authors and i said as long as you're only taking a snippet taking a sentence here a word there and i said that actually you're not going to be able to improve so yeah. i still think that the value of reading for children especially at primary school i can't speak on behalf of high school is actually when they're reading and i'm saying to the teachers to do it um is when they're reading during the ssr because they need to or if they're writing then allow the children to get up go to the class library corner pick up a book and, and then steal an idea from that person and hey presto away they go because often children who when they're writing they just don't even know where to start mm. so why can't they start by using somebody else's initial yeah. line and then get them started so again i do strongly believe that reading goes quite well with writing and improving writing mm. i think too there's um like I have heard in school libraries, I'm not reading that. There's too many words in that book. Mm. You know, it's it's just line and line and line of literacy. Um, and if you can break it down and put illustrations with it, it breaks it up in their brain mm. that it's not every page of of words. And when they see a book that's this thick, it can tend to be a little bit daunting mm. for some children. It's a lot to get through when you don't read. You know, and it's like words on a page just don't resonate with them mm -hmm. the story might be amazing i mean and everybody that reads you mean you could give one book to three different people and they'll probably get something different out of it one might just like no that's not for me i'm not going to do that one might sink their teeth into it and just you know really comprehend and really feel the book and one might skim over it if it was okay you know but i, I guess I think I think it is today in today's world for some reason it, it's scary with a lot of words and pages and I think that children will pick up a book uh, obviously you don't judge a book by its cover but you are drawn to the cover mm -hmm. because it makes you want to go and pick it up if they open it and there's some illustrations you know the words are quite nicely spaced um, and it's not a really fat book they're probably more inclined to want to take it home again. Mm. <laughs> Uh, this year, Cambridge, Cambridge, University, <laughs> Cambridge University's published the results of the study they did just in June this year. And um, it said that childhood reading for pleasure affected cognition, mental health, and brain structure as they moved into their teenage years. They found that the earlier children start reading for enjoyment, the better it is for their verbal learning, memory, and speech development. In other words, there's a strong link between reading for pleasure at a young age and school performance later. And I don't think that message is getting out there mm. as well as it should be. I, I tend to think that preschoolers get their parents' attention. Do, and there's yeah. a lot of mm -hmm. board books. There's a lot of picture books. A lot of reading to them. A lot of reading to them. Mm -hmm. It kind of pitters off because maybe a teacher, it's a teacher's job to then install the reading at a school whereas now you know at at, at, a, at a preschool level there there are no teachers apart from you as a parent and um i i i work with um hosting book fairs at schools and sometimes i get a group of children on board and we look at um 
how they can um, be involved with that. So we do some marketing stuff, you know, we do some of this, we do some decorations and these students take control. But part of that is like, what is your goal? And coming from a child's perspective is so different from an adult's perspective. So well, this one school that I was at, I um, introduced myself and I said, oh, you must be all amazing readers and you must all love books. And they're like sitting there going, yeah, 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 you know, and it's, and we sort of talked about what we we're going to do here. And then I said to them, okay, so just put show, show of hands of those of you who read a lot. And, you know, a lot by I mean that is like you, you actually have a chapter or two before you go to bed and they all stuck their hands up, you know. This is age range from probably year three to a year six, you end of the year six school. And I said, okay. I said, so now I want to know, just a show of hands, how many of you get to spend time with your parents reading? Not a show of hands went up. So their goal for their whole week of book fair was ensuring that every parent had time reading with their child at that school. That was their goal. Great. And mm -hmm. their goal was possibly hit, I think. You know, they were really up there. The parent actually supported that mm -hmm. as reading for their literacy week at the school. And I just thought it was incredible that they these kids were still so excited to read, yeah. but they were even more excited that the parent was going to be with them, mm -hmm. you know? It was, I think it was a, lot, a really good goal. You can, hear, them, you, know? you can hear a lot of parents, I mean, you probably hear it in the bookshop as well, that you can read that. Yes. As opposed to we can read it together. Mm -hmm. Yes. And where well, you can when read we, yeah, yeah, and when we've got grandparents who come around because we do a special friend's during our book fair and when grandparents come in and bring their grandchildren through a book fair you can hear the language is quite different from a grandparent to a grandchild yes. and it is well we can read this yes. and it's we can do this and as opposed to you and I think there's an element of yeah actually that's a big big yeah. thing to bring back is reading together and then I remember a number of book series where I would read the first one yes yeah and then and engage like, them. Oh my god, that was amazing! And then they'll go and read the next few. Yeah, yeah. Get them started. Yeah. And also, when children hear you read to them, um, they hear your pause. Mm -hmm. They hear your exclamation mark. You know, they as a parent, you know, you've obviously skimmed ahead because you can't. You know what I mean? It's like how we read, isn't it? We don't just read. We just tend to, you know, be able to do that. But we know when there's you know, talk marks, you know, we know mm -hmm. when, if it's involved, that's going to be a little bit louder. So real advantage for children to hear um, a parent or a guardian reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely. great. I think about some, just thinking a book I'm reading now, it's the new cat from Arundel and it's Impossible Creatures and it's got all these magical creatures with made-up names and I can imagine reading it aloud. It's a great book to read aloud. And you get to decide with the child actually how you say that word. <laughs> so they can, I, you can say, well, how do you think that creature's name? Oh, yeah. Because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. really. um, so nice. that's a great way to engage them and, and yes. to, they're not so afraid to have a go. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Actually, I remember that personally about the Harry Potter books. Yeah, well, those actually, words. some of those words they said, I didn't say it like that. The, Movies completely split. <laughs> not how I read it. Not, not not what I imagined. <laughs> I think we've covered most things. I'm just looking at well, how how else we can encourage children to read. Um, access to books. We've talked about really encouraging them to choose their own books, having opportunities to read, giving them time, and reading around to them, reading with them. I know. Um, 
with my 15 year old, I, I recently read a, a really riveting um, memoir. Uh, you might have heard of, heard of it, right? Wave Walker. Mm-hmm. And he, I said to him, I think you'll just really enjoy this. So he read it. And now we just have all these great conversations mm-hmm. about it. So if, if the whole family can read the same book, that's incredible. And mm-hmm. I think that as much as we can encourage them to read it and read with them, it's a really good conversation to yes. then talk about talk it afterwards. About. What did you like about it? Mm-hmm. You know, why did you read it to the end? You know, yeah. like, oh, was there a chapter or, yeah, yeah, you know, to have that conversation afterwards as well, mm-hmm. not just a before or during. I think mm-hmm. it's quite good to encourage them, especially when they might not actually know themselves, but when they actually take the time to think about that open question, mm-hmm. not sort of yes or no answer, you know, they're going to start thinking back about that mm-hmm. and, you know, probably possibly find why they really enjoyed that book. Vocabs are not willing to, isn't it? You know, you can extend your vocab mm-hmm. by reading by reading a word that you don't know. You know, and you can either work out what that word means by what's surrounding it, or if you really can't work that through, it's a great a great opportunity to actually go for a look and see what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just extending. Well, on that as well, though, if you think about the word read, for a lot of children, that is a real put off. It's actually I, that just straight away sends fear, um, sends that dormant, that um, horrible feeling of sitting in a group having to read and that fear of stumbling over words they don't know how to pronounce, that whole fear of getting it wrong. So even the word read for some children, I think we forget, can be a really off-putting barrier. And I think that sometimes I think if you change it to go and engross yourself, go and open a book Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to taking that word read, um, might be going, you know, go and immerse yourself in a book, go and open a book, go and um, find out what that character's doing now in that book. Go and tell me more about that story over there, you know, as opposed to read. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it from a teacher's perspective, we will often say to children, can you come and read to me? And some children, you can see them instantaneously tense up. There was a recent analysis of children in New Zealand, up to and including eight-year-olds, that showed that they're more likely to read frequently. Those more likely to read outside of school are also the ones who are attending organised and interest-based activities such as arts and sports. So, and those activities are related to greater levels of enjoyment of reading. So they actually go hand in hand. Um, children less likely to be engaged in reading for enjoyment could be active, but their activity is less goal-directed. A similar pattern is seen in the use of electronic devices too. Children who weren't reading for pleasure spent more time on their devices, but they're passively consuming media. Those who read for enjoyment more often spend time online, but in active engagement with the material. So the overall picture is one of the readers has active people engaged with the world around them and reading for pleasure as a purposeful social activity. So it's not that readers are in this category and sporty, arty people are running around doing all things. It's actually they benefit each other. So part of my background was um, working at a paper plus store, and I worked at two, Browns Bay and Sunny Nook. 
And I, even then, that, so I've been just over five years with Scholastic and I spent eight years between those two shops. It was really, and I say this to librarians and I say this to DPs and principals, how many parents at your school do you think pick up this child from school, take them to a bookshop to have a look and buy a book? Mm-hmm. And it was so evident in the eight years that I was in that bookshop that after three o'clock, there were no kids in there. There's no parents bringing their kids in. Yeah, so exactly the same ones. Yeah. It's, I know that they're busy, but it, the, the, that's the reality is that parents don't pick up their kids from school and go, hey, let's go and see what's in the bookshop. You know, what's what can we pick up today? Or, you know, a once a month treat. I don't know if, um, are we kind of winding down? Yes. Because I thought that it would be quite neat to, if we all had a moment as when we were a kid, as what we remembered um, from reading our books. So I remembered, like, my parents used to put a big blanket over the table and we used to crawl under it with, with a pillow and our torch. Oh, yeah. You know, the That's fun right. of reading, right? Not it wasn't, Building huts and then reading yes. in your Yes. Yeah. And that has stayed with me mm. for my years. And it was a really, really cool thing that I went to an intermediate school who hosted a book fair. They did a really massive literacy week. And they pulled blankets into their classrooms and got intermediate kids to yeah. bring a torch and that. sit under the desk and read a book. Mm-hmm. And I thought, look, intermediate kids, what a way to engage them. Yeah. I have to say, I was a reluctant reader as a child and didn't enjoy reading, was forced. That's why I got the connection with the word read, read. Um, because it was forced upon me as opposed to so individual words and I think you're absolutely right in terms of the engagement I felt I was reading individual words because I didn't it didn't come naturally to me and in fact I wouldn't say I became a happy um reading for pleasure reader until early 20s so I was a very late reader so I do I do understand where there are some children who can't and don't want to um, I don't think there's there no hopers. I think there's no. still hope that um, that they will get engaged. Um, but I think for me, it was that ability to be able to read and engage myself in the book and get it. And audiobooks has definitely helped that as well on that journey. Mm-hmm. But um, and just being able to switch. But I don't remember it being enjoyable, and that was fun. So it's okay. Well, we're doing good things here, Joe. <laughs> Everything we've just discussed, about it. Oh, but it's where did you get it's coming on the weekend? Why is that? Um, part it was actually the Harry Potter series that actually right. got me. Yeah. There you go. And it was, That's your memory, and that is my memory. And it was the Harry Potter book that everybody seemed to be reading. Yeah. All my friends, which we've already discussed, were reading it, and they were reading it on the tube. I was it was a big mass or thing, one hundred percent. And I just had to go, "What is the big deal?" Mm. And I'm a teacher, so I was reading to my children. In classes, I was reading all the time. I would put enthusiasm into reading. I was very passionate about reading in class, but personally was not reading. And then picked up the Harry Potter book, and that was it. Loved it, and it just that was my moment. My aha! Like <laughs> reading's fun, even as an adult. Reading was fun because, like I say, when you're teaching and you're reading out loud to kids, you are reading for a purpose. So you're reading to engage them. It wasn't about me. And so there was that purpose. So I never really had, so I can read beautifully to a glass, but 
when it came at home and I was sitting at home, I wouldn't read the book, but now I do. So I think there's an element of there are late bloomers and there is hope as much as there's been doom and gloom. Um, I do think there are, you know, there is an opportunity in the future that these kids will come back. And let's hope that the generation going through will have a better statistics that they will start getting hooked into reading. So you've got a special moment in the view? I can't look at your notes for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Put your money in. I'm one of those weird ones who just read all the time. Oh, did you? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I do, this isn't my memory, although it's a more recent memory, is my husband has read The Hobbit to each of our three children separately. Mm-hmm. And nice. it's all around about the age of nine, eight or nine. And they still talk about it. Yeah. It's one of, that'll be a memory that they have forever. Lovely. That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. We can encourage more on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many amazing books out now. Yeah, there are. And don't have you noticed yeah. that when that the boys are more drawn to nonfiction? Absolutely, they oh, really want to soak that information mm-hmm. and just know everything, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's there's not a lot in that sort of YA category of nonfiction no. books. So no, I'm, I'm sort of gathering from yeah. the adult section uh, yeah. ones that I think that they can. Engagement. Mm. It's trying to find because maybe it's that attention span thing as well. That yeah. the non-fiction yeah. of books I think just on the yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's right. They've learned a couple of things, and they're quite happy with that. But they, yeah, it's not the yeah. whole a whole fiction story. And there are yeah. great books. So it's getting them in front of them. Mm. So actually, yeah. what about this? This is yeah. yeah. Even reading really yeah. this these are new series that I can show you a couple of them but they're bringing out more and more and it's just <coughs> 10 things you didn't know about time 10 things you didn't know about space so each oh, book is yeah. just, and they're just so fascinating and they're bite-sized mm. and that's the kind of thing that, that boys oh, yeah, this is an interesting fact but it's, yeah. it's not bogged down mm. yeah it's light mm. and it's all it's a time hey? yeah <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up. Thank you. Thank you. So there we have it. I hope you found that useful. I hope this has inspired you in some way um, to encourage any children you know, any children in your lives, uh, to somehow find a way to find joy in reading because it really sets them up for a brighter future. Uh, Thank you for listening and I hope you'll come back soon and listen to our next episode. Uh, It was great to have you. Thank you. Stop.